23 minutes after 7 p.m., we head straight into it and we kick things off out in the markets. Joined on the line by Makwe Masilela, Chief Investment Officer and Founder out at Makwe Fund Managers, to give us the latest out in the world of money. Excel Makwe, who's it? Sweet, Makwe, man, I can't complain. Makwe, let's start off there with the Rhodes Food Group. A very interesting group here. And um, actually, you know, today as I was preparing for the show, I was so shocked how. Many acquisitions in the last 20 years the Rose Food Group has had um, of brands that we now actually associate with them, but um, uh, they've only certainly been in the stable for the last two decades or so. And I include, uh, I think, Bull Brand in that and uh, many of the other pie offerings as well. What do you make of this set of numbers? You know, not too bad. And, you know, the latest one, it was that one of today. Remember, that's frozen food business that they acquired from Pioneer Food mm. and that managed to help them as well because we've seen volumes going down by almost 11% and they were pressurized by falling domestic consumer environment and also competition but partially held by that 2.5% growth from today. But look at their revenue, you know, up 7.4 and we know that was mainly driven by price inflation of almost 14.7 and they also made some nice foreign exchange gains and the thing here is competition continues to be an issue. And remember, the guys are operating in a very sensitive market mm. and there's so much that can go wrong. Has the guys had to spend almost maybe $2 million just for the past five months when it comes to diesel costs. But you look into the, the pie as you're thinking about them. I mean, the guys, you know, at some point, they had some sales and margin pressures. So apparently that is covering somehow. And fruit juice or dry foods or meat categories, Despite some price increases, the guys had a very good sales growth, but canned food remains under pressure, and we know because of weak demand, high raw material costs and packaging costs, plus competition as well. So for me, generally, they didn't do that badly, and I think at some point the market reacted positively to this set of numbers. Yeah, and I, and I guess, I mean, there's, there's probably a bigger question around that canned uh, uh, products business and uh, to what degree uh, that has, um, you know, been driven by some of the pressures on disposable incomes of consumers. Definitely there is, but also we don't have to underestimate their raw material cost and the packaging cost, as we know that that has been a challenge as well. So as much as the demand was not that good, that didn't just impact them, that also impacted their competitors as well. But yes, the weak demand continues to be this thing as well when it comes to canned food. And I think I, gradually people are moving away from canned food, you know. There is this stigma around canned ah, food. Which people, Mark? <laughs> the higher elements of Of course, yes, yes. Because uh, what's uh, peaches in cans uh, as part yeah. of our fruit... And the dessert, what you know, the sweets. No, Marco, yeah. no, no. Um, but if you look at the packaging, the packaging is gradually changing, you know. Yes, no, for it sure. It has apparently a potential of serious food poisoning, apparently. Really? If it's not stored properly. If mm. you remember with the PS as well, there was a story that you keep it cold, then after it gets into one place, there's a possibility of uh, what you call it, uh, food poisoning or liquor mm. poisoning, whatever it is. So, can generally just go to this other thing about them when it comes to the uh, the possibilities of having some serious food poisoning. How cheap is I'm not so sure. Hmm. 
Yeah, and um, I guess if we stay out in the world of food, it seems food and non-alcoholic beverages driving much of the inflation that was seen uh, out in the month of February 2023. Uh, what did you make, I guess, of the latest print coming out from the National Statistics Agency, Stats SA? Uh, it's worrisome. Yes, we've seen UK as well. Highest inflation, food was also the main culprit. We've seen as well, European Central Bank this morning complained about inflation that is still high. And the problem here is, you look into our case, it's food, and as well, if you look into oil and fat, vegetables, oh, yeah, those are the things that we are encouraged to be buying because apparently they're healthy. Mm. Those are the things that we buy on day to day. I mean, the likes of bread and cereal. I mean, and 20.5%, this is just so ridiculous. And I think continuing increasing interest rates, trying to fight this thing, or just exacerbating the situation. Just look at your core inflation, which excludes all those things, you know, your beverages, your energy, stuff like that. It picked up to 2.2% from 4.9%. This is the highest since February 2019. This is the highest since then. So I'm saying something has to be done. Mm. It's not a question of, this is not demand side. But you see, I mean, I guess there, there are big questions, um, even if we look at, at a distributional perspective. And of course, these are historic numbers, uh, what we might hear from the Monetary Policy, Policy Committee next week. Uh, probably will be looking at what the model is churning out for future quarters. But let's look at this month, because it does tell us some interesting things. I, I don't know, maybe I've never picked it up, Mark, but this CPI per province uh, starts to show us some interesting things. A lot of the rural provinces and the ones in the interior, relatively high inflation there, and that might have to do with what's happening with transport costs. But similarly, uh, some of the lower income decile households, uh, especially those in decile one, two, and three, uh, bearing the bulk of, I guess, the growth in inflation that we've seen, which uh, goes back to the comment often made that, um, yeah, inflation is not only a rich man's concern. And, you know, when it comes into the lower LSM, remember, these are the people who are spending more than 50 or 60% of their income mm. on food. You know, so it's a big thing. And also when you look into storage, you know, other people can afford it, given mm. the amount of money they earn, to buy things in bank. Some of, the, of us is from hand to mouth. Sure. And even the kind of shops that we're getting, some of those shops, they're not that competitive because... The guys around might not be having a competition. But the problem here continues to be even, we just spoke about RCR uh, roads. Mm. I mean, spending 32 million on diesel. Pick and pay, you name them. Do you think those guys will continue to keep that on their balance sheet? At some point, they have to pass that over to us as consumers. Mm. Look, they seldom keep it in, on their balance sheet, and I think that is the issue. Uh, that, uh, you know, uh, those transport costs uh, which are largely driven by, you know, things that are happening in the aftermarket for parts, things that are happening in the fuel price, things that are happening elsewhere in the world are very much what's driving inflation and it's appearing everywhere. It's appearing in transport costs, it's appearing in our food costs uh, and definitely appearing in some of the other uh, services as well that uh, we see um, uh, some inflation coming in there. Uh, but um, just when you look at this set of numbers, uh, we're heading towards a winter. And it makes one wonder if food and transportation are some of the biggest costs driven largely by uh, how expensive diesel, fuel, gas is at the moment. 
Uh, yeah, mm. might we want to switch off some of those gas heaters? Only if you can afford it. Afford what? To be cold? No, to have that gas heater. Or the paraffin one, Mark, because, I mean, you know. <laughs> some of us, yeah, yeah, some of us have the paraffin <laughs> ones where you cook them on there. So, you know, I would think the paraffin prices have gone up as well. We know it's zero rated, but still, you know. I think electricity prices will also contribute because consumption will go on. Because remember, some of the guys are using the very same hot plate as a heater at some point. When it's too cold, they don't have money to buy a heater. <laughs> you guys nah. are like, you even have a, ma, what do you call those things? A ma fire places. Yeah, those are, it's your thing, Makwe, you know, it's, uh, it's your thing. It's just like you're talking about cheap. solar panels, huh? you forget to ask yourself, it's just like you're talking about solar panels, you forget to ask yourself. What no, Makwe, you know a fireplace yeah. is in Baula going to private school. <laughs> we know this. <laughs> but uh, talking about that, Makwe, I want us to maybe take our attention to some of the latest news that's come out of uh, third largest mobile operator in the country, Telcom, uh, announcing in a sense today. Uh, a bit of a rejigging. We expected this to come through uh, because uh, Brasello, uh, I guess, had resigned from this particular board. And uh, Jeffrey Kerner, former IDC CEO uh, for just over a decade, uh, coming in as the new uh, chairperson at the helm of the board of Telcom. I think it's a wise move, and I mm. think he would do a good job. And anyway, Brasello was forced to resign because <laughs> the reserve bank said to you, Honestly, the reserve bank said, no, you being the chairperson yeah, of Yeah, but Brasello was busy. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot be the chairperson of AMSA and of Telcom as well, you know. So he had to go. But yes, I think I think he would do a good job. I mean, the guy is so experienced. I mean, the guy has been around. I mean, at some point he was at is it FAA as well? Yes, and you yes. the way he came around IDC, you know, yes, people still complaining about one, two, three, but growing their asset base from just under 40 billion to just over 100 and, I think 140, 180 billion. I mean, he has done a very good job. And he was clever to leave IDC when the time was right. He didn't have to be put out. So, whatever mm. he has been, he has been leaving a very good footprint. And I think with Telcom, he should be able to continue to do yeah. job. Remember, the guy is used to dealing with the government as a stakeholder. Mm, I thought of that actually today because, I mean, you know, uh, at the Industrial Development Corporation, much like with Telcom, I would imagine, you, you will have to manage some of the politics and, of course, some of the regulatory yeah. issues. And, uh, yeah, it seems Jeff Krenner... Uh, was certainly an ace at that. I mean, having grown asset base of the IDC, uh, the DFI there, from 31 billion in 2004 to around 137 billion when he left in 2018. And I remember, uh, I guess, it was kind of relieved when we spoke to him in my other life uh, uh, when he exited there. So I think it's great to see him coming back and sharing his wealth of experience uh, with Telcom, which, uh, as many would know, of course, is majority owned by the government. Yeah, but I'm very recycling the very same people as well. I mean, you look at the number of boards that is sitting in Cherry. I mean, Investec is somewhere that Investec is an exec, is somewhere that Zaro. My point is, it's not mm. just about him. But mm. you look into most of our guys, you know, that you get the guy saving on three, five, yeah. six boards. Yeah. And we know for them, some of them is a more vicarious, yeah? mm. because they just get different allowances, you know, for attending <laughs> those meetings. And subcommittee stuff like that, but yeah. But we need to think about 
we need to think about like succession. You're right. I mean, one of the things that I find so interesting about like Afrikaner business people is this idea of creating alternate. So when you look at their boards, there's like an alternate to Mark, where, uh, who is a younger person under the age of 35, uh, who if Mark is not there, serves as Mark proxy, he has to read through the entire pack familiarize himself with the dynamics of the firm, you know, be able to comment on the governance issues or in committees, you know, all of that kind of stuff. I seldom see it with, um, you know, some of some of our uh, uh, business people who take on this corporate governance role as a career. And, uh, and I think you're right that many have so much on their plate that um, some might even need two or three alternate directors. No, definitely. I think we we'll definitely have to really look into that whole model. We're not saying they've got nothing to offer, but there are so many people out there who can still offer the very same thing that they're offering or even better. Mm. I remember actually a few years ago, uh, Abasa. Um, yeah. yeah, it must have been up. No, not Abasa. Um, um, I forget the name now. They also have a very big investment, Alka. Yeah, Association of Women Chartered Accountants. And they had a program, Mark, uh, where they would, I think they were doing this kind of thing. So where, you know, younger CAs would track Makwe Masilela, who's operating in three or four boards, and effectively some companies have created junior boards. I think that's what should be happening here because we will never be starved of, sure. like ta- uh, of talent in governance. I mean, every government department needs an, some audit committee. It isn't always the boards. So I think w- some of this expertise is certainly there in leaps and bounds. And uh, I'd love to see much more younger people just like you, Mark, where you're serving on some of these boards. <laughs> I open up the industry, please. But, but maybe just the last one on the telecom matter. Um, three things for you, Mark, where that Jeffrey Krenner will have to deal with as he comes in here. Uh, it's been an eventful time for telecom. There's a section 198 coming. Uh, yeah. There are a few other matters that they have to deal with. Least of all, I guess, the fact that they uh, yeah, nearly got a tie-up with MTN. So what are some of the things that you would prioritize if you were him? I think you need to start talking, whether it's talking to MTN or whoever, but they need to start unlocking that shareholder value. We're not trying to unlock that by trying to list uh, their towers business. Mm. Apparently, they'll also depend on the market conditions, but we know as it is given that the whole now when it comes to telecommunication is more about the footprint when it comes to fiber network. And we know as Telcom, they've got the biggest one, I think over 160,000 kilometers. So they need to partner with someone. And here we're talking about someone with deep pockets and it can only be MTN because Vodacom already has tied up with Vumatel. And yes, it's about time that they could remember the reason MTN moved away was because Telcom are trying to be clever, talking to both them and Rain, and not wanting to give them exclusivity. Mm. Not because they didn't like the books as they were opening the books. There's so a the question of please make up their mind. They're talking to us or talking to Rain. So since they've collapsed those talks with Rain, I think there's an opportune time for them to restart those talks. And with his experience, I think it's going to be much quicker. Yeah, and I guess, you know, the other thing, because on this one, also, Mark, I mean, we come by here to Lena as South Africans. So I don't know to what degree will such a process have to trigger other processes of scrutiny within the government system? I mean, does it have to go to parliament? Does it have to, you know, uh, go through um, certain other processes? Of course, it, it will go through if it does come back again on the agenda, competition commission and so on. 
But uh, to what degree, I guess, is that important? Um, because it does, I guess, mean something to have uh, a state-owned company changing hands in a much deeper way than uh, what had earlier happened with the partial privatization of telecom. I think the easiest one will be not an outright purchase, is to give the government a stake in MTN as well. Right? It's going to end up being 7%, 8%, or everything. Remember, you guys, you can have a stake in Vodacom, but you sold that because at some point, you guys, you had to bail out ESCOM, but by then it was not a big deal. I think it was 22 billion or so. So what I'm saying is, you can still have an exposure in MTN and in behaving exposure into a much bigger company because you can still keep your shares and maybe dilute that to whatever it is now. It's not over 30, maybe you can maybe have some 18% or whatever it is of MTN and it's still not exposure to the industry. Mm, mm. Last one here, Makwe, before we let you go, uh, outsurance, uh, blowing the lights out. Uh, I don't know how to analyze these numbers because there's so much <laughs> that was there in the previous year that is not here now. Uh, I don't know what's what. Uh, yeah, I just found it difficult. I do know they declared a dividend, which has grown by more than 100%. But some of the rest, I it's not make sure. I think for me, what was is looking into continuing operations, you know, and you look into the normalized earnings from continuing operations, up 77%. Mm. And also, when you look at their profits, essentially, earnings per share from continuing operations, up 100%. But of interest, I was thought that that 66% or more of their premiums are coming from Australia, not South Africa. Mm. Australia continues to be the biggest market, even though they went later into Australia. And it's got yes. a huge potential because the potency is the sector that side is four times the size here. Mm. But you still see South Africa as a important sector. But all these things is all because of good weather. Yeah. Remember Australia, they had floods. So mm. this time that flood. So that helped as well. Sure. All much better. Ah, sorry, my brother. We're going to have to leave it here, Marco. Unfortunately, we have run out of time. But uh, yeah, interesting story there about uh, the difference between those Australian and South African numbers. And uh, yeah, to what degree the middle market here uh, might be the growth opportunity or not for them. We come back after this.